I do want to uh, say to those of you that are visiting with us this morning how pleased we are that you've come to be a part of our worship experience. And um, I just uh, hope you'll feel free to come back and worship with us often uh, because it's a great place, a great church. That music, I just told her, that soothed the savage beast within me. I, I, I needed to hear that this morning. And uh, so it was a real blessing. And uh, I think that's what worship is all about. And by the way, to those of you that are watching us online, we really miss you. And I miss shaking hands with you. I miss uh, hugging you. We're almost to the point where we can hug again, aren't we? And how we need that. We need each other. We need together in, with each other as a family. So... Uh, Come on back and worship with us. We we would love to see us uh, being together that way. The scripture reading this morning is out of the sixth chapter of Micah. I'm just reading just one, the the last verse, the eighth verse, and I'm reading out of the New International Version. Micah has this to say to us. He he climbs the ladder of faith. He's a, an Old Testament prophet. And as a prophet can, he climbs the ladder of faith and he looks into the face of God. And God speaks to him and he comes back and he writes a note to us. And I want to unfold the note and read what he has to say that he came back with a message from God. He says this, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to act justly, to practice kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. How good it is, O Lord, to draw away from the kind of world that we live in and just to be still. And to know that you're God. How good it is to gather with friends, strangers alike, to wait upon your Holy Spirit to come and bless us. How good it is to be fed by your word. And I pray that your spirit will fall afresh upon me and upon us. We may be able to hear what you have to say, what the Spirit has to say to the church. So we wait for you. So come and speak to us, Lord, and bless us, because we need you, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Some years ago, I was uh, in a training session for Disciple Bible Study in Dallas, Texas. Um, and part of this uh, was that we sat together at round tables, and there were eight people each, at each table. The table I sat in, were, we were all preachers. I was the only one that wasn't from Texas. And I noticed that they all had on cowboy boots and big belts and that they had hung their cowboy hats on a rack that was in the room. So I was the only one that wasn't a cowboy either. And uh, 
we not only sat at the table for the training sessions, but we ate at the table as well. Well, uh, when they came to serve lunch, I said, I, I, guys, I got to tell you something. I told my wife, I'm going to Texas. And I'm going to eat some cowboy food while I'm out there. I can't wait to eat some cowboy food. So bring on the grub. Let's eat. And they brought out quiche. (laughs) Well, I'd always thought that real cowboys and real men didn't eat quiche. So I sat back. I wasn't about to eat mine until they ate theirs. But they ate every bit of it and never said a word. You know, People in Texas don't talk a whole lot. They didn't say a word. They just sat there and ate every bit of it. Well, that night at supper, I said, well, I was hoping to have some cowboy food this morning at noon today, but we had that quiche, and it was pretty good, but tonight I'm going to have some cowboy food. I had a fork in one end, a knife in the other. I said, "Bring bring out one of those big old steaks and a big Texas-sized baked potato. Whew, man, we're going to eat some good cowboy food. They brought out chicken breast a la Delta Airlines and pressed and some of those mashed potatoes that look like ice cream and, and green beans that when you ate them, they crunched. And I said, well, they didn't have cowboy food, but they're going to have cowboy dessert. I said, we're going to have a big old slab of pecan pie. And they brought out chocolate mousse. Well, one of the guys said to me after dinner, his family talked to me. He said, I'm tired of hearing you talk about cowboy food. So he said, I'm going to take you for lunch tomorrow to a Texas barbecue I know about here in town. I said, you drive, I'll buy. So we went to this Texas barbecue, and he loaded my plate up with Mexican chili beans. (laughs) I took one bite and said, bring on the quiche. (laughs) But I learned something there. Real cowboys eat quiche, but real cowboys cry too when they eat Tex- when they eat Mexican chili beans. I mean, it causes you to cry. But you know, there's another thing about real men that I discovered. Somewhere along the line, real men will not ask for directions, even though they're lost. Even though we get lost beyond imagination, we will not ask somebody for directions. Most of us don't anyway. That's why God invented, had invented, the GPS. Because he gave up on us ever willing to ask for directions. But also one thing I've noticed about men as well is that when we're doing a do-it-yourself job, we won't read the directions for that either. And we usually mess up. We get lost when we don't ask for directions. We mess up when we don't read directions. And somebody has ably said that when all else fails, read the directions. Well, we've gotten some directions from Micah about what is a faithful person. How does a faithful person live? 
Here he comes with a word of direction. What does the Lord require of you? That's pretty, pretty direct. But to do justly, practice kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Well, now, doing justly has something to do with doing what is right instead of what's wrong. And uh, it has something to do with playing by the rules. And in the owner's manual, we have some directions about that. They're called the Ten Commandments. They're given to us not because God needs them. It's because I need them and you need them. It's, they're given to us so that your life might have order. And if you want disorder in your life, don't pay any attention to the Ten Commandments. You want to mess up your home, your life, your family? Just leave God out of your life. Just walk as you want to in any old way in life. It's easy to walk, to go downhill and downstream. You want to mess up your life? Steal. If you want to mess up your life, lie. You want to mess up your life? Lust after something you can't have. You want to mess up your life? Commit adultery. It'll do it every time. Every time. You want to mess up your life? Kill somebody. Maybe that's the greatest gun law we could have in the United States of America. Thou shalt not kill. We live when we mess, we mess up when we don't live by the rules. And Jesus gives us some more rules. He tells us, love one another. That's a commandment. He tells us to, to turn the other cheek. He tells us to love our enemy, to pray for our enemy, to pray for those who would spitefully use you. That has something to do with righteousness, with doing what's right. If we obey the rules that are in the owner's manual. And then there's some th- has something to do with not doing. That also has to do with doing what is just and what is right. Jesus said, hey, hey you, hey you, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was naked. You didn't clothe me. I was in prison and you didn't visit me. Oh, when did we see you hungry and didn't feed you? When did we see you naked and didn't clothe you? When did we see you in prison and didn't visit you? Oh, is you didn't do it? The least of these. You didn't do it under me. Oh, yeah. The owner's manual says to us, you want to have life as it ought to be, do what's right instead of what's wrong. And then it says, practice kindness. The kind of world we live in is filled with so much anger. So I've never seen it this way before. 
Maybe I've lived too long because I've never seen it like this. And it breaks my heart to see the anger, the hatred, the prejudice, the bitterness in the church of all places. Not just in the world, just in our neighborhood, but it's seeped into the church. We call people by names, we finger point, we judge people. And Jesus tells us, just love one another as I've loved you. My mother used to say as I'd go out the door, mind your manners. Your mother probably said the same thing. I know your mom. I bet she did. Did she say that? Okay. Sure she did. You know what that says? What minding your manners is, just be nice. Just be kind to one another. I don't know anybody that feels good because they're filled full of hatred. I don't know anybody that feels good because they're angry. You want to get rid of it? Give it over to Jesus and begin to practice kindness with each other. Hey, what a good word of direction it is for us. The owner's manual says it for us. Practice kindness. Then the owner's manual says, uh, walk humbly with God. And I love that word of direction. Be faithful. Practice your holy habits. Talk with Jesus every day. And listen to Jesus every day. He wants to do that with you. He wants to have that friendship with you. That's called being faithful. A faithful friend. Walk faithfully with your God. When I first started out in the ministry, uh, my first full-time church was in Knoxville, Tennessee. And the first week I was there, I wanted to look nice for my first Sunday, so I decided I better get a haircut. So I went down into the little village near my church and saw a barbershop, walked in. There were three chairs. Uh, two people were being, having their hair cut, one of them. And the chair closest to the door, there was this tall, thin, uh, Young man sitting there, black hair. And he had on one of those aprons like a, like a barber has, had a comb in his pocket. And he was sitting and lounged in the, in the chair, the barber's chair. And I said to him, are you a barber? He said, yeah. Would you like to have your hair cut? I said, well, that's what I'm here for. He said, well, have a seat. They put that apron on me, and so I told him, I said, you know, uh, I got to tell you, I'm, my name's Riley Short. He said, my name's Glenn. I said, well, Glenn, it's, I'm glad to meet you. He said, I said, I'm really excited. I said, I'm a, I'm a brand new preacher starting in my very first church. I never had a, I had a student appointment, but this is the first full-time church. I'm a pastor of this little church up on the hill down the road. 
And uh, I'm really excited about starting out. He said, we got a lot in common. I said, really? He said, yeah, you're my first haircut. <laughs> I said, the first haircut today? <laughs> he said, no, my first haircut. So I swallowed my bubble gum and said, have a go. And Glenn would be my barber for the next five years. <clears throat> we played basketball together. We were on the same softball team together. We would have picnics with our children. He was a member of the Baptist church, but I said, God loves the Baptists and forgives them. <laughs> and we had a wonderful friendship for all those years. One day when he was cutting my hair, I said, Glenn, what do you really want in life anyway? What are you really living for? And he seemed to be ready for an answer. He said, I want to own my own barbershop. I want to see my children grown to maturity. And I want to get my quartet. He had a quartet in the Baptist church that he led. I want to get my quartet on television every week. I said, man, that's great. That's great, Glenn. Those are good things. And he looked at me and he said, what do you want? What do you really want in life, right? And I said, you know, Glenn, I don't want stuff. I really don't. I just want to be faithful. And he said, well, that's great. That's great. Fast forward 45 years. 45 years, I'm at a meeting in Lake Jaluska. And a young preacher comes up to me. And he said, uh, Riley Short? I said, yeah, it's me. He said, uh, he gave me his name and he said, I'm the associate pastor at Fountain City Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. I said, I used to live there. He said, oh yeah, I know that. He said, I, I get my hair cut by a guy named Glenn. And he asked me if I knew you. I said, well, I don't know him personally, but I know who he is. And he said, have you ever seen tell him I own my own barbershop? Well, Knoxville is not that far from Junaluska. So I decided I was going to go check in on Glenn in his barbershop. I drove down Broadway, and I saw a sign that said Glenn's Barbershop. I had on a baseball hat and dark gloves and bib overalls, and I was driving a pickup truck. I mean... I was really feeling good about being in East Tennessee right then. I walked in the barbershop, and it was packed. People, men sitting all along the wall, had three chairs, and all three chairs had people in them and barbers. Well, I, of course, recognized, I, I recognized Glenn. He was in the third chair back. So I walked up to him and stood there and looked at him. I said, 
do you own this barbershop? And there was a silence that fell over the whole place. Because it sounded rough, you know. And he, he said, well, yes, sir, I do. Is there a problem? I said, no. He didn't recognize me. I said, no, there, there's no problem. I just want to know if you own this shop or not. He said, well, I do. He still didn't recognize me, so I said, well, do you give manicures? There isn't a barber shop in East Tennessee that gives manicures. And this time I get a lot of looks from the people that are sitting over there. And Glenn said, not if I can help him. <laughs> he still didn't recognize me. So then I said, well, do you give special rates for Methodist preachers? And he said, right, right. And we hugged unashamedly. Those guys really got to look at me. But he stepped back. And he said, I own my own barbershop. My children have grown to maturity. My quartet's on TV every week. And he looked at me. And he said, what about you, Riley? Have you been faithful? And I said, Glenn, he's still working on me. It's a process. And that's what I want to be still. Just faithful. When you mess up in life, when everything goes wrong, read the directions. They're right there on how you can find life at its best. What is it that you really want in life anyway? What is it that you're living for? Micah gives us some good directions. Do what's right. Practice kindness. Walk humbly with God. When you follow the instructions, you find life at its best. And that's the truth. Amen. And now may the blessings of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and abide with you and keep you in his peace, grace, and glory, now and forever and forever and forevermore. Amen.